Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 13. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am excited today to have our featured guest on the show, Pascal Espinoza. Pascal is the owner of Metal Galaxy in Calgary, Alberta, and he has a ton of insights to share with us. He has created and built two successful game stores, with Metal Galaxy being the latest incarnation, and actually competes with his first business, Trilogy. We get into that, as well as Pascal's different take on magic, and what a store can be for its local community. Metal Galaxy has a focus on casual play, and actively discourages players from being too competitive on certain days. Pascal found a niche within a niche, and that, along with an excellent loyalty program, exceptional customer service, and the fact that Pascal truly cares about his customers and the experience they have with his store, combines to create a business that's thriving in one of the most competitive areas in Canada. Between the Sentry Box and Phoenix Comics, Pascal definitely does not have a monopoly on the market, but he stands out nonetheless. I think we can learn a lot from him and what he shares in this interview, so with that, let me introduce you to Pascal Espinoza. Okay, so, um, well, I'm originally from France. Um, I came to Canada 23 years ago. Um, decided it was too warm, I guess, in, in, in Europe. So, uh, <laughs> But I love it here, and uh, I've been doing retail pretty much uh, my whole life. You know, um, I've, I've always enjoyed retail. And um, you know, for the past 12 years, I've been uh, been dealing with uh, with gaming and retail gaming, and I, I really enjoy it. You know, I find it's a very direct um, approach to to retail and, and customer service and and so on. And, I, and I've I've enjoyed it uh, ever since. Okay, so why Metal Galaxy? Uh, why the name, or why the why the store? Uh, well, why the business? Why? Why roll into cards? Why get into games? Why? Oh, why? 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 Well, interestingly enough, I, I've always been a, a bit of an entrepreneur. You know, ever since I was six years old, and you know, w- waitering at my 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 parents' parties and collecting tips afterwards. So I think I was always a bit of an entrepreneur. I was always a little bit of a collector, but not in North American sense. You know, mm-hmm. like I never really did gaming or anything like that. So interesting way that this business started for me was that uh it kind of fell into my lap actually i was uh i was just promoting uh, a different business um at a flea market here in town just kind of doing very very basic you know product uh, and business uh, promotion kind of thing and uh from there uh, i met somebody that was in the gaming business and got familiar with it and that person was actually leaving their 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 business and uh and they offered to you know, to kind of get me started in it. And it just seemed interesting. It was really a week by week kind of a, kind of a, um, an experiment. And, uh, I started to really enjoy, you know, what, what gaming was about and, and the whole, um, idea of doing trades and, and, you know, really connecting with customers, you know, much more directly and casually that than the, the retail that I was used to, which was a lot of clothing and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, very quickly kind of, it kind of, um, was, was kind of sprung on me and, uh, I took it and, and ran with it. And so from a flea market booth in 2002, 
I opened the store, my first store in 2003. Um, and, uh, and just, you know, I've always had a, a, I consider myself a very, very, uh, hardworking person. So as soon as I saw the opportunity to, um, to have my own business in this, in this area, I, I went with it. And of course the gaming aspect, um, then kind of grew, uh, from there, like personally, you know, but I wasn't really a gamer before getting into this business, which I think is pretty unique in this industry. Cause I think most people are gamers first and then decide that, uh, they would love to get a, you know, have their own gaming store for, for a variety of reasons. So, yeah, that's been my experience so far. Most people start out mm-hmm. as hobbyists and then think, Oh, well, I, I love doing this. So I might as well, might as well do this for a living. That's right. That's right. And, and so, and that could be, that's obviously, you know, a good place to start. You want to, you want to be in the right frame of mind and do something you enjoy. But, um, unfortunately it might be a lot of businesses, uh, downfall as well is, is to, to just have that wanting, but not sure how to get there. Right. So uh, yeah, that, that's, that's not just the passion. It's also the business acumen. That's right. Yeah. You got it. Yep. Okay. So what is metal galaxy known for? What makes you special? Uh, so what I've tried to do with Metal Galaxy, and, and again, this is my my second store. Um, you know, I had a chance to sort of try to reinvent the wheel a, a little bit. But what what has been consistent with both my businesses is that I I think I did very very uh, I did a, a decent amount with very little. You know, I've never had a lot of um, a lot of cash flow and a lot of uh, wealth to build a business with. So it has it had to come from um, my creative side, which I think is is uh, is decent. And so what Metal Galaxy does really is, is um, a lot of custom type um, uh, ideas, like in regards to magic, for instance, um, you know, uh, and, and, and try to, to cater to the, to the casual player, which I think is, is more of the exception than the rule in, uh, and, and I'm going to talk about magic because really it is the, the giant in the industry and it's mm-hmm. really what every gaming store um, needs to at the, at the very at the very least acknowledge, right. That magic is, is, is going to drive your business, you know, for the most part. Yeah. So, um, so what is unique about Metal galaxy is really just an, a, a different approach, um, to, to customer service, to, um, you know, catering to people's specific needs versus saying, you know, this is what's been packaged by a giant corporation and this is what I have available. So I have a lot of custom type, um, product which which are very time consuming to make but are very fun to make and they're very enjoyable for customers to see so it makes the store unique uh right off the bat um in that sense and um and then the approach to customer service is something that i took from um again years in retail that were more that was more in the clothing industry where you you know you um you learn to listen to customers needs really uh deeply and then um you know, follow up with them and actually have more of a clientele base service um, than than just you know putting product on the shelf and then hoping they come back, <laughs> right? So it's a little bit more proactive and and um, you know and I'm always asking people to send me emails with their wants and their needs and what they're looking for and I want to make sure that they feel that they can they can um, they can expect uh, a high level of service. Um, and, uh, it's definitely paid off. Great. Okay. Uh, tell me more about your custom products. So, um, I used to do it at my old store as well. Uh, and, uh, uh with metal galaxy, again, I had to be creative because it was my, it was my second incarnation, if you will, of, of, uh, of a gaming store. Um, and I started from, from a very, very basic, uh, uh, place. 
Um, so I, I decided to do a lot of um, uh, custom-made decks, um, you know, stuff like mystery packs. So basically repackaged um, product that is still attractive either through the price point or uh, simply from, you know, um, um, just a fun aspect, you know. So uh, what I call instant collections, you know, um, you know, in, in different sizes. Um, so for Magic, for instance, they come in 500, 1500, and 3000 card sizes, you know, um, uh, for uh, stuff like Heroclix, I will have um, pre-made uh, teams uh, so people can just pick up a box, you know, go home, open up a pack, and they have two pre-made teams that they can battle with. You know, they don't have to really um, worry about building armies and whatnot. So, so just stuff that's just fun to just pick up, you know, a lot of gamers um would love to spend hours and hours you know exploring building decks checking deck lists and whatnot but a lot of them really either don't have the time or just don't enjoy building decks um so i built kind of a reputation with um with this sort of custom um these, these custom items that are that are definitely attractive they're fun and again they're tailored for the casual player um you know that wants to spend 20 25 dollars get a fun you know Elf, goblin, zombie deck, um, and uh, and go home and play, or, or sit down in the store and play, um, and and uh, you know, and I'm constantly expanding that that area, you know, um, and and I find that it's quite successful for me. And I think what what is unique about it is that it requires a lot of effort, um, and customers appreciate that. But it also is something that most stores are not willing to do because it requires so much effort. It is time consuming, but I think I've got it down to a to a bit of an art and, and it, it allows me as well to put um, a lot more of my inventory um, to make it more useful, right? To, to have a lot of my inventory actually available for sale versus just sitting in the back or whatnot. Mm, fair point. So yeah. has your community actually responded really well to this? Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I mean, um, like my decks, for instance, I, uh, I, I really literally cannot make them fast enough. Like I make decks and, you know, and they sell, faster than I make them because you know, obviously it's a time consuming thing to do. Um, and, uh, you know, stuff like mystery packs, as an example, a Pokemon mystery pack is, is, is a couple of dollars versus a, you know, a booster pack, which is four fifty five dollars or in that range. So when you have a majority of, of, um, Pokemon players or Pokemon collectors, I guess that are, you know, kids in the six to 10 year old range, um, you know, it's much more attractive for them to come in with a couple of toonies and pick up some some mystery packs. So obviously, it's not what the business lives off, but it's something that makes it very unique. Um, you know, they're nice little add-on sales. Um, they provide uh, a variety of things because really nowadays you can go and buy. Uh, and again, I'm talking about magic, just to kind of keep it sort of the topic more a bit more condensed. But you can go to Walmart and buy anything that Magic has to offer, right? Fat packs and mm-hmm. um, you know intro packs, all that stuff you can buy at a Walmart. So um, I think if stores don't offer something that's unique, um, you know, whether it's an experience, which I hope I'm offering as well, but whether it's an experience or it's uh, a different kind of product, um, then they're not really uh, enticing the customer to to visit. Gotcha. So what do you mean by mystery pack? <laughs> mystery pack. So it's a random pack, right? It's a random pack of cards. Uh, I put them together, obviously. Uh, I try to make them, again, so that they're fun to open and there's actually some value in them. Um, and, um, you know, so as an example, a Pokemon mystery pack is 15 cards uh, with a minimum of one rare card in it. Uh, Magic 
mystery pack is 15 cards as well. Same setup as a, as a booster pack, one rare, three uncommons, and the rest are commons. And uh, But the difference being that they're from all kinds of different sets. So especially for new players, it's a way to kind of tap into a whole bunch of different um, newer and older sets um, and uh, and again spend less money than you would by buying you know current current uh, booster packs and uh, I offer them for uh, Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh uh, Magic um, and um, yeah they're pretty they're pretty successful item cool idea so yeah and I used to do it actually and it's actually interesting because you know it's something that um, uh, I guess the whole everything happens for a reason, you know, definitely applies here. But, you know, starting at a flea market kind of gave me that mentality of sort of being creative and repackaging product and sort of shuffling inventory around and packaging it in different ways. Um, so that, you know, uh, as I said, you, you know, I, I, the analogy that I always use and I like it, and I'm sure a lot of people will, will find it silly. But the analogy that I use is sort of like having buying, a, you know, a full chicken roasted chicken at a supermarket and only using the breast of the chicken and, and then the rest goes into garbage, right? If you use, if you can use the wings for something and if you can use the bones to make soup and everything else, then you've obviously got more value out of what, what you're, what you're doing. So, so when I'm getting in collections and trades and, um, you know, if I was to only use, you know, the, the good stuff, like all the rares and everything else and throw everything else in the back and forget about it, then I wouldn't really be, you know, maximizing, um, what I have in stock. So by doing custom items, I'm putting everything else for good use and I'm actually selling everything that comes in, you know, at, at different, different prices, obviously. But, but if I feel like I'm maximizing, you know, what's, uh, what I have available. Yeah. Squeeze the juice out of everything you got. Why not? Exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I, all it takes is extra work. So, you know, basically the way I determine, um, whether the, those products, uh, those items are, are, are worth making is, is to figure out what sort of, uh, hourly rate, you know, I, I, I deem that I'm worth off, you know, mm-hmm. worthy off. And um, if I can uh, produce that many items um, during an hour or two hours or three hours or however long I spend doing them, and, you know, obviously they'll they'll sell in the future. But, uh, you know, I, I feel that I've, I've earned my hourly rate for however much work I put into it. You know? um, so and, and, and obviously they, they pay for themselves in, in, the, in the short, long or middle term kind of thing. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. No, I, I, mm-hmm. I used to do something similar when I had a store about 10 years ago. Just right. leftover draft commons and uncommons and such that, generally speaking, no one wanted or nobody would buy individually. You just kind of, oh, okay, well, we have all these empty booster boxes. Let's uh, create a package and sell them specifically as a like a starter collection or something like that. That's and right. players really love that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's really fun. I mean, uh, for Christmas, for instance, I sell a lot of those those types of items because, you know, it's Christmas Day, most stores are closed, you know, and you you expect some kind of gaming fix, you know, under Mm -hmm. the tree. And when you get a big collection, even if you're already an established player, it's just kind of fun to sit on the Christmas, you know, to sit and, and whatever you do at Christmas on Christmas morning, you know, and open up a big box of a variety of stuff and just, you know, yeah. sit there and enjoy that. So I think they're, they're valuable. Um, um, it's a valuable product line um, to, to, to have, to have, you know, mm, very cool. And it's, and it's the exception again, most, most you know, more than the rule. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Metal Galaxy. Yes. Why Metal Galaxy? In this case, why the name? How did you come up with that? Well, um, 
It was trickier than I thought because I had, again, I had another store, another store which I ran for nine years called Trilogy. Uh, that name was with me for 20 something years for, for reasons that have nothing to do with anything gaming. No, no Star Wars trilogy or Lord of the Rings trilogy connection there. Um, it was actually the, the name of uh, the metal song, which I really enjoyed. Uh, so long before I owned trilogy, I had that name picked for whatever my business was going to be. So when I parted ways with trilogy, um, then I had to come up with a name and it was tough, right? Because to me, my business name for 20 years was, was, was trilogy. So, um, you know, I just started, uh, brainstorming, um, the idea of a galaxy and space and future and, uh, science fiction obviously was, was seemed like a, a normal collection connection, sorry, to, to the industry, but, um, I didn't want to make it too obvious or too, <laughs> too cheesy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just sat there with a blank galaxy name for, for quite a while. And eventually remembered that, you know what, something that was very unique about my first store was um, the music that we play in the store, you know, which was always very, very non-commercial music, uh, a lot of metal, um, you know, a lot of progressive metal, progressive rock, that kind of stuff. And it was actually some one of the aspects that customers enjoyed the most, you know, was the fact they could come in, they would feel like they were somewhere different and they were not listening to the poppy um, stuff that you listen to everywhere else. So it kind of gave the store an identity in itself. Um, and so um, I figured metal was, was a good way to go. And of course, metal music um, has a big connection in, in, in fantasy and, you know, and dragons and, and the sort of mythology that is present in gaming as well. So I felt that it was just a good fit. Cool. And so there we have the name. <laughs> That's a good story. That's and pretty much every store has some, sort of a origin story for its name. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So, so that explains it. I was just, just curious. Oh, for sure. All right. So you've been open for quite a while at this point, or you've been doing the gaming thing for a bit anyways. Right. Have you had any failures or setbacks in your time in the business, in the business? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I think anybody that <laughs> claims they haven't, um, probably a liar. Probably hiding something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, obviously there were there were a lot of different types of learning curves, uh, both with my first business and um, especially with the second one. Um, I mean, obviously, what comes to mind right away, and and um, I don't want to dwell on it too much because you know what, it's it's part of my past and it's um, you know it's it's not really relevant anymore. But was obviously uh, what it what what in the end became uh, you know losing my first store, right, and mm-hmm. not and not having anything to show for it, um, through personal, you know, drama, I guess you could say, but you know, it's, it's ancient history. Uh, but it was obviously a difficult thing to, to overcome, especially after putting, you know, um, thousands of hours into it, uh, after having the store be very, very successful, go through, um, you know, uh, a recession, I guess in 2008, um, and a lot of personal, uh, challenges. So, and, and hanging on tooth and nail, you know, and, and having, I think, a a successful enough store that it actually still stands today. Um, but, um, you know, I basically had to restart uh, from scratch is what Metal Galaxy is, right? It's basically a store that uh, restarted from scratch. And that was very difficult, not just from um, a business perspective, but obviously personal, right? To, to, to all of a sudden find yourself um, at a crossroads. It's not even a crossroads, I guess, because a crossroads, you feel like you have some options, you know, going left or right, but this was more of a, of a, of a roadblock. Um, so it was very, very challenging. And, um, 
difficult to decide whether it's time to call it quits. You know, the universe doesn't want you to to do this anymore, or whether um, you know the universe is just saying, "Hey, you just need a fresh start, a fresh start." Uh, but this is where you're. This is what you're good at, right? Um, and uh, and in the end, enough signs pointed to me. Uh, actually, a lot of customer feedback. Really, um, you know, people literally. Um, look for me, you know, wherever they could to, to, to ask me, you know, well, how come I wasn't doing this anymore? And there was a lot of disappointment, you know, people saying they were going to quit gaming, like very, very meaningful stories that, that, you know, made me feel like really I meant something uh, at a personal level to people, you know, that they felt safe in my store. They felt welcomed. It wasn't just a business. It was actually a community and a social environment that they, they cherished. And um, so, you know, it felt it felt more than just restarting a business. It felt like I almost owed people that to a certain extent, um, and that obviously, if I if I still had the passion to do this and to restart the business, it was worth doing again. So um, it was a huge challenge. Um, you know, the biggest part of which was the fact that when I opened my first store, uh, my first store wasn't there, <laughs> and when I opened my second store, which is Meta Galaxy. Uh, my first store was there with with all the strength that I think I gave it, you know, as an additional uh, competitor um, that again did not exist um, when when I created it, right? So, so it was uh, it was definitely a very strong challenge. And Calgary actually has a very very strong uh, gaming, um, some very very big gaming stores, um, including the biggest in the world, I'm sure you, you know, which is a Century Box. Century Box. Right? Yeah, I've already talked to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's a good guy. Um, actually, you know, it's. Yeah, no, there's, there's, and there's a lot of good guys in the industry, period, right? That's true. Um, but, you know, so it was a challenge uh, starting from that point. First of all, restarting. And second of all, realizing that I'm starting in a, in a city that um, has a lot of gaming stores. Uh, they're big size-wise and business-wise. Um, but that's, in, in a way, it, it helped shape what Metal Galaxy is, which is a store that focuses on casual play. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that was kind of forgotten. I think uh, with, with all the big stores in town, they, 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 they chose, in my opinion, they chose to, to sort of butt heads, uh, and try to fight for that competitive, very high end professional type, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a tournament and the casual player was sort of left alone and sort of like, you no, know, well, what about me? Where, where do I play? That kind of stuff. So there was definitely a need. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty basic formula for businesses to, to identify a need and then to, to kind of fill that need. So, um, you know, so I felt that there was still room for, for another store and I've been, um, I've been growing ever since, but it was definitely the biggest challenge and, um, you know, and I'm glad that, um, that I made the choices that I made. Yeah, so you found your niche within a niche because did, of this difficulty, you know, I, right? Yeah, and interestingly enough, the niche that was created was actually created by the same vacuum that I left, you know. So it's it's kind of a unique situation, um, you know, because uh, it's not like the direction that my old store took was different than the direction that I was taking it to. So in a way, it helped me identify that niche, you know, which technically should not have been there. So it's, it's a very... Yes, a very different situation. It's a very, uh, it's almost like a paradox because you would think that the, the business that I left would have would have uh, taken care of that, but it, they actually chose a different um, avenue, which um, is totally fine. And but it, it helped create this this environment. And I think there were a lot of people that just missed 
the environment that I provided. I, I really focus very heavily on creating an environment um, that feels, you know, very little like a business and um, and a lot more like a like a social gathering and, and a place people can come and feel uh, truly welcome and, and, and so forth. And that takes time, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Great. That was very... Uh... Hopefully I answered your question. I don't know. I tend to ramble on a little bit, but... <laughs> no, that was good. That was, uh, that was exactly what I wanted to get to. Just every, well, pretty much every business has had some sort of difficulty or setback that usually leads to a breakthrough if they persevere long enough. That's pretty right. much every yeah. failure has some sort of a lesson that you can learn. It's it's like you said, the universe telling you something. You just have to figure it out. And it seems like yeah. you've taken the difficulties that you've encountered and then turned them into a big win, like which which is what you have now. You have a successful store that caters to something that you wouldn't have necessarily known about beforehand. Mm-hmm. And that, that was what I did before, right? I mean, the store, my my vision of what the first store was to be. I mean, it was it it grew significantly from from its inception, but my vision always was, you know, the typical neighborhood Italian restaurant, you know, where where the owner comes around and chats with people and, and once in a blue moon sits down and plays a game. I mean, gaming for me was always a, you know, business first and, and hobby second, um, you know, both when it comes to inventory, meaning I don't, you know, hold cards for myself and then customers are left wanting, you know, the customer is always first. Um, but I always wanted to have that the sort of uh, imagery of, you know, of, of a little Italian neighborhood store where, you know, even though it's a, it's a very successful and, and um, busy, um, store, uh, um, you, you you know you you can feel like you can chit chat about everything, and and you can walk into the store, and the first thing you're gonna talk, somebody's gonna talk to you about is not business, but it's you know how's your day going, how's your week, you know you know what's going on, and 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 actually um, chit chat and feel you know truly at home. Yeah, welcome. Sometimes too much at home, but you know that's okay. We can't really control the level of. Um, how much people feel at home. Sometimes mm. they go a little bit too far into what, what's, you know, Man, as long as they keep their pants okay. on. <laughs> that's right. I've never had that experience. So I guess <laughs> I've been successful in that, in that, uh, in that light. Yeah. Okay. So let's flip it a little bit and talk about sure. a big win that you've had. What's your proudest moment for your store? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of a, a vague answer really because um i think with each each incarnation so with with each each business uh i think with with trilogy it was really what i feel was changing the industry in in calgary i think it set a new standard for for cleanliness which which as you know from owning from from talking to people i guess or having been to a lot of gaming stores is not always you know true of, of gaming stores being organized and being clean and being you know treating businesses like businesses and i think it changed the standard a little bit in town and i'm really proud of that um making a mark in um you know what uh what a business um like a gaming store should should um should look like and really i i kind of noticed my my competitors changing the way they did business, you know? So that to me was a very big win. It was more of a, um, a win that I, that I noticed over time, right? It wasn't an instant gratification kind of a thing, but as I, as I reassess how my business, um, looked, I realized that it had actually changed the way people saw it, you know, and little details, like for instance, you know, I'm very, um, 
particular about how things look uh, in my showcase. And I think that's very important, you know, and that again comes from the clothing industry where, you know, it's very important that everything should be folded neatly and put on a shelf properly and presented properly so people actually feel like shopping. And that to me uh, was very important. And, um, and customers told me that they would go to other stores and even though they had never even thought about that aspect of the business, they now missed going into a store and not seeing everything perfectly straight and organized and clean because they felt they were being disrespected in a way. Hmm. So I think it changed the perception of people. It, it made gamers feel more respected, you know, and, um, and that to me is a huge win because, you know, it's a community of people that I think a certain percentage of is, is um, uh, not necessarily the more, the most social, uh, socially adept people. And, and to have um, a place where they feel respected, I think, is, is very important. So that was a huge win for me. You know, and then the, the, and Metal Galaxy, of course, is a big win in that, um, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was a second chance and I had a lot of knowledge, but it was also, uh, you know, a personal win. Um, you know, it took a lot of effort to, to get it going again and to feel that I was it was almost a validation of what I thought before, right? That, that, that the first tour wasn't an accident, I guess that it didn't just, uh, happen at the right time. And I was fortunate enough to open it when I did that. It was really, um, the fruits of, of, uh, of some skills and hard work and so forth. So, so by being able to, to produce something else, um, you know, it's a, I think it's another big win. So kind of a vague answer, I know, but it's, it's really more of a general win, you know, and feeling like I, I've made something for the, for the, for the Calgary gaming community anyways, that is, that is valuable to them. And that to me is huge. Yeah. I think that works fine. You've mm-hmm. set the bar for other stores in your community, which is pretty impressive. And then you also yeah. were able to recreate your own luck. Like you did it twice. That's pretty good. That's right. Doing it no, once for most people is hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of it, you know. Um, I would be too. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so let's. what made you want to open up the store in Calgary when there's already these gi- giants around you? Why would you want to compete with these people? Um, well, again, right, I, I feel like I'm... Um, so when I first opened, I, uh, my I can't say that I was 100% clear on why I was opening a store, other than I still had the passion for it. You know, it was it was kind of a cloudy period of my life. You know, but I so again I did feel like I was being um, pulled towards opening another store that was enough demand, um, and um, you know it. Um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck in my own thoughts here. Sorry about that. Go ahead. That's okay. Why open Metal Galaxy in a place that's already so filled with competitors? Why did you want to? Why Why would you want to pick that spot and then go toe to toe with these people? Yeah. Well, so I, I think it goes back to what I said earlier, right? Which is which was that I um, the the basic principle of a business is identifying need and filling it. Um, and I still I felt like um, the community in Calgary, because of all the big stores, was shifting direction. Um, and every other store felt like they needed to follow that direction in order to somehow stay in business. 
Um, you know, Century Box has always been, you know, a giant. You know, Trilogy is a big store. Uh, Myth is a big store. Uh, Phoenix, of course, has been around for many, many years. So mm-hmm. they all sort of are reaching for that, you know, those big competitive, you know, 100 people plus Pro Tour qualifiers kind of tournaments. And, um, and I had hundreds of customers uh, at my uh, my old store that uh, were casual customers, you know, and that's actually, you know, it's interest. It's an interesting approach I think that I had because in a way it was in a way it was kind of productive and in a way it was exactly what people wanted, because, you know, the I think the 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 natural um, intuition of of a gaming store owner is to sell someone that just walked through the door the most expensive items, you know, uh, if they're building a deck, why not sell them a three hundred dollar deck? Mine is actually quite the opposite. You know, I want to keep people in in whatever game they want to play for as long as possible. So I actually try to sort of slow people down and get them to understand that, you know what, just enjoy the game for what it is. Learn the game. And then if you find you have a passion for the game, then, you know what, sure, I'll sell you more expensive stuff. So um, I think that market is, is, is very big. You know, the casual gamer, the people that actually want to spend... You know, a few bucks every couple of weeks or whatever, uh, but they want to consistently do that. They don't want to feel burnt out by by going into a game, you know, full blast and then dropping off in six months. Um, so I felt that really the market was still there. It hadn't gone anywhere um, and that people still wanted that. And of course, there was a lot of it's it's an interesting industry as well, right, because it's it's um, it's very specialized and people that know about the industry know everything about the industry right every gamer is constantly reading about you know decks and ideas and whatnot and what's coming out and they're very aware of what's happening but people that are not in the industry really know nothing about it so i, th- I felt that like the opportunity to actually uh bring new people into this really fun industry um was out there so uh, you know it, it really felt like a big part of the market is still untapped no pun intended um so um pun intended. Yeah, again gotta use that one <laughs> I guess so. Right? So um, I think that's basically what it is. You know, it was just a basic business principle that I felt that the, the, there was a, a market segment out there. There still is a huge market segment, um, and and it's not being um, being catered to. So uh, you know, and the reality also was that, of course, I had done this for ten years, and uh, um, you start to wonder as to whether you're going to be able to. You know, get a traditional job after your after when your resume says that this is what you've done for ten years. Mm. Right? So, so it it wasn't so much that I didn't trust I could. It was more that I I knew what I was capable of in this industry, and I felt like I could do it again. But it took it took a few months of soul searching, and um, and actually making sure that I was if I was going to do this, I was going to do it for the right reasons before I made the call to to try it again. Good answer. Thank you. Okay. So what's your strategy for bringing in new customers? What do you, what do you do? Do you advertise? Uh, well, I, I do really through social media. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always limited by, um, you know, financial constraints, obviously like, like any business. And so if I'm going to spend money on advertising, I think social media is, is actually an incredible incredibly effective way to do it um you know it's it's direct it's um you know you it, you're able to actually figure out what sort of uh what sort of feedback 
more sort of uh, response you're getting, right? Versus, as an example, delivering flyers or whatnot. I mean, obviously, you're gonna know how many flyers came back into the store with people, you know, um, how many people bring the flyer back into your store, I should say, and and that gives you a bit of an idea. But with social media, you you have much more feedback as to how you you actually performed um, with every dollar you spent. And again, it's a, it's able to target specific people that enjoy you know gaming or enjoy magic or enjoy Pokemon or whatever the case might be. Um, and once you've got that customer, so specifically, right, Facebook and getting likes and whatnot. Once you've got that customer to kind of uh, respond to your to your advertising, then you have a way to actually reach them again, you know, or, or, um, you know, follow up on, on your original investment. So, so I think it's a, it's a valuable way of doing things. Um, it's direct, um, you know, a lot of word of mouth advertising. Uh, I get a lot of it. Um, and, and I'm very actively promoting that, you know, anytime somebody has a, um, a positive thing to say about the store, which hopefully is, is often, um, I make sure to remind them, you know, without shame that, you know what, that's great. So please go tell your friends, like, you know, this store can only get better if we get more people, um, to come by and, and, and visit and, and hang out and obviously shop. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think I'm just going, uh, I'm, I'm choosing to go from the ground up, you know, to, from literally, grabbing a quality feet quality leads i guess versus versus trying to to go into uh, different areas but um no i like that yeah, it really fits your yeah, that's basically my choice fits your niche right Pardon? you're already catering to the casual friendly gamer so if you're going to mm-hmm. the social networks like facebook and then trying to reach the uh the grassroots grow it from the bottom Seems like a good yeah, way to I mean, do it. Obviously, there's always opportunities. You know, um, you know. Uh, as an example, last weekend there was a charitable um, uh, board game event here in town, uh, where all the proceeds were for the Canadian Blood Services, and they came in and asked me for donations for um, for for the event. And you know, that's something that I always do. Obviously, the the, the cause itself is good, but you know, you you get free advertisement and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's, there's always little opportunities that come along. Um, but I, I try not to get caught up in, um, and, and I'm not by any means claim that I'm right on this, but I try to not get caught up in, uh, wanting, you know, the big newspaper ad or something like that, that is very, very expensive, you know, um, because, um, I need to stay realistic as to what my business, where my business is at and, and, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, having having a sink at home and and going to dig a well somewhere else, right? Like you can you can tap into your sink first, and if you run out of water, then then sure, you know, like let's. But I think there's a lot of a lot of um, potential still really close to my 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 home base, right? So so let's tap into that first, and then let's let's go from there. Mm-hmm. So um, I, you know, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself is what I'm getting at. Obviously, in the future, you know, um, getting into different types of advertising, whether it's, you know, TV or any kind of media would be awesome. But, you know, it, it feels like I'm, I'm jumping a few a few stages here. Yeah, you need that. to be of a certain size to be able to support that anyways, right? Not to make exactly. you pay for it, but... but it, well, yeah. Yeah. And you, you got to be careful what you wish for, right? You don't want to be on TV and have a thousand people show up and... Not be able to serve them. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, so I think it needs, to, it needs to be a patient build up. And I think social media is a really good way to do that. Okay, so let's go into something specific that I I wanted to talk about before. Is uh, okay. you have a membership program? 
Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Give me the details. Uh, so, sorry, with with details. <laughs> no, just give me the details of uh, what it means. What are you What are you doing? Uh, so, I think any good store will have a loyalty program. Um, I had it with my first store. Um, again, something that I wouldn't say by any means I was the first in town to do, but I know that it uh, it certainly triggered other stores feeling that they, need, they needed something um, like it. Um, and I think it's very important. I think it's important to uh, come up with something um, that rewards your customers, especially in this industry um, where you get a lot of return business to reward them for shopping at your store. And so what I've what I've chosen to do is, um, you know, singles are obviously the um, the part of the of any gaming store that I think has well that clearly has the most margin. And so what I chose to do was to reward people by giving them. Um, uh, basically $15 in singles for every 100 points that they get. And points are obtained by, uh, you know, spending money. So every dollar spent is a point. And uh, they're, they're obtained by uh, liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. So, again, trying to build a community of uh, in, in the social media and um, and then rewarding them with uh, with uh, some free free stuff. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's pretty simple. Uh, the key to me to do a good loyalty program is for it to be simple. You know, if you have 18 different calculations to make before you know what you're going to get and when and blackouts and restrictions and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's not very attractive. You know, I think it needs to be as simple as customer comes in, shops, you acknowledge that you've entered their points, you let them know if you had, they have a reward coming up and, you know, and that's basically what it is. And if they have more questions, great. But it should be a very simple process, and it should be like, great, I spent money, I get stuff. Um, you know, uh, so I've I've tried to make sure that it was a calculation that made sense for me, and that it was actually attractive to the customers, but also that it was a very simple process. It wasn't, you know, I know there are some loyalty programs out there in the gaming industry that are, you know, very complicated, and there's percentages, and there's you know, um, you know, days you can get stuff, days you can't get stuff. There's you know, uh, so I think if, if there's any kind of variation to a loyalty program, it should be a positive. As an example, you know, um, I do something like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you get extra points, right? Mm. So it should be a positive thing, not a negative. So it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm sorry, but you're shopping today. You should have come yesterday. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't yeah. be anything like that. Um, yeah, you don't want so them to feel bad about it. Yeah, exactly, right? There should be something like, well, well, I'm sorry, you made a bad choice. It should be, you know, more like, hey, you came on a date that's not a typical traditional shopping day because it's uh, early in the week and we don't have any tournaments going on. So, um, you know, we're going to offer you an incentive to come in. Um, so th- that's my my um, perception on, on a good loyalty program anyways. And it should be something reasonably easy to achieve. Uh, and, of course, it should make sense for the store. So uh, I think those numbers work. Um, and, um, you know, it's relatively simple and, uh, obviously I, I always look at different options on how to improve on, on it. You know, uh, I've got, uh, sort of thresholds that people can reach where they become what I call a star member. Um, and at that point they, they have, you know, um, a couple of, um, uh, ongoing discounts, uh, in the store. Uh, they get a benef- uh, beneficial, um, ordering, um, Deadlines, I guess you could say. So, you know, limited items uh, like from the vaults and things like that for Magic. Uh, they get to pre-order before anybody else. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So it makes them feel special. It makes them feel like they've they've actually earned a different status 
um, you know, than uh, which they deserve, you know. So, how many star um, members do you have? Uh, currently, I have about twenty. Uh, there's about uh, seven hundred members altogether, and about twenty star members. How effective do you think this uh, loyalty program has been? How effective? Like if uh, if you could compare it to like if you didn't have it, how what do you think the difference would be? Um, I think it's significant because you know um, obviously I it, you know the, the, there's an expression that I heard before which I thought was very good which which was called um, uh, like ostrich marketing like sinking your head in the sand marketing. Like you just kind of put yourself out there, but you don't actually talk about it. You just kind of hide it and you're just mm -hmm. kind of ashamed of it. And that's not very good marketing. So obviously, if you're going to go through the trouble of creating a membership program and loyalty program and so forth, it needs to be a tool for you, right? It needs to be a selling tool. And very often, the first thing I do when a customer walks in, unless I already know it, you know, uh, offhand, is check how their membership is at, where their membership is at. And um, I've used it very often to close sales. So as an example, if a customer has a few dollars worth of free cards, uh, sitting there, right? They've, they've earned say fifteen dollars, and they have ten dollars left over, and they're kind of just you know debating on mm, should I buy this, should I buy that? I go, you know, you do have ten dollars worth of single cars. So these cars that you picked out, you can actually get them for free today, right? And maybe that ten dollar rebate that I'm offering and reminding them about is what's going to make them actually pull the trigger and buy that twenty-five dollar deck they were going to buy. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be used as a tool. Otherwise, you know, if it's if it's a mystery <laughs> to the customer, you know, what's the point? Yeah, might, you know, as well might as well not exist. I mean, it's great. It's a great surprise. You know, uh, it's a fun, it's a, an exciting surprise when they finally get a reward. But it's not supposed to be a surprise. It's supposed to be something that lets them know, like, hey, you're getting close to reward, or um, you know, again, same thing, same same scenario when somebody's buying, you know, making a seventy-five dollar purchase, but they're kind of humming and hawing about something they're not sure, and you know, and my wife is gonna kill me if I buy this. That kind of, mm -hmm. you know, one of the main, one of the main objections in the gaming industry, by the way. Uh, you know, and, you know, and then you can say, you know what, you, if you buy, um, $20 worth, you're going to get a reward. So what we can do is we can just basically assume that you're buying the $20 and then use your reward towards this purchase. So basically what this is going to do is going to save you $15. So instead of spending 75, you'll spend 60 bucks. How does that sound? Yeah, that's great. Let's do it. And it helps you close the sale right there and then, you know, but obviously that comes with um, a bit of experience, knowing your customers, knowing, you know, everything else uh, that I think I know about retailing and, and, you know, listening to customers, right? I mean, if that's his objection, if he's basically really close to spending the money, but something is stopping him, then the membership is a great tool uh, that way, right? Um, you know, same with um, overcoming pricing objections. You know, if uh, people say, well, I know Box of Magic here is X dollars, but at, you know, store why it's uh, you know ten dollars cheaper you can say you know what that's that's um i i'm hearing you um my pricing is really the fairest i can i can offer you but here's one thing that you should know is that if you spend you know 115 dollars on a box of magic you will get enough points so you have 15 dollars worth of singles right off the bat so in essence you're paying 100 dollars for your box right so it's 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 a tool in many different ways it's just a matter of making sure that you use it appropriately and you know when when required i guess sounds like a good deal too like personally as a magic player that really turned me on yeah right and and again you're building towards you know and i offer i offer bonus points for for different things like you know trading um you know bulk rares in 
you know, like I'm always building decks, I'm always making mystery packs, collections. So, so bulk rares, commons, uncommons is also, is also, by the way, something that I offer that is very unique, right? Most stores don't want to deal with that kind of stuff and getting, you know, 20,000 commons, you know, what's the point of that? But I actually, um, I've kind of developed a system where I take them in, repackage them, obviously taking the ones that I know I need in inventory and, um, repackage the rest and resell it. So I offer, you know, um, bonuses sometimes for just trading stuff in, you know, and, and I don't overdo it so that when those opportunities are out there, people see them as, you know, Hey, I can get some extra points and I can get closer to a star member and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good deal. And then, and again, I hope the math works out. I mean, it's been obviously something I've been doing for three years and it seems to work pretty well, you know, um, and singles have a pretty high margin. So therefore I'm not, I'm, I'm, as, as I'm sure you, you've done the math already. I'm not giving away 15% of every hundred, right? Yeah. I'm giving away less than that really because my cost is not, um, it's not dollar know, for dollar. It's not dollar for dollar. So, yeah, but to the player it is. Well, it is. No matter what, they would have had to spend fifteen dollars on the card, right? So yeah, exactly. That's why it's free. So that's why it's a good free. deal for both of us. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I also yeah. did want to mention that uh, I do really like the fact that you actually reward points for liking your Facebook or following you on Twitter. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and it works really well as well. I mean, I've got, I've got people who um, walk into the store for the first time, you know, and there's really no way to police to police this. Right. But I just remind them that they kind of have to stay on right uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, and, and there's no way for me to enforce that, obviously. But I want to make sure that people actually stay on there so they get, you know, the notifications that I want them to get. But sometimes they'll walk in and within 10 minutes, I'll, I'll let them know what the membership and what the store is about and everything else. And um, and they get 50 points for Twitter, 50 points for Facebook which is basically a one-time thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that means is basically the first time in the store, they're getting $15 worth of cards. Yeah, but it's so easy <laughs> so, too, right? You just click those two buttons and you're happy, is. they're happy. It's great. Absolutely. They do it on their smartphone right there and then. Uh, they earn stuff right away. I've got, you know, one new person on my mailing list in essence, um, which cost me, you know, a fraction of $15 worth of marketing, <laughs> I guess you could say, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, and it's it's kind of locked them into um, to the store pretty quickly. So, yeah. um, you know, I also give points for referrals. So same amount of points for people liking uh, and following um, uh, as a referral or coming into the store as a referral. You know, and again, I try to make it as simple as possible. You know, so for instance, if somebody wants to refer somebody on Facebook and say, you know, um, Hey John, I think you should you should like Metal Galaxy because I went there today and it was a great store. Then once John likes Metal Galaxy, all he has to do is say, you know, Bob sent me, um, and, and that's it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Bob will get points, right? So it needs to be simple, all right. Um, I, I am working on different uh, ideas where it would be a little bit more intricate, just because I want to give away a bit, kind of reward people for. Um, being sort of uh, super referring people, you know, like they, they, they actually work hard and diligently on referring other customers. I think they should be rewarded accordingly. Um, but for the most part, it needs to be really simple. And same with referring somebody to the store. I said, you know what, you don't even have to come with them. They don't even have to shop into the store to shop or buy anything, um, you know, because in my mind, of course, I'm thinking, well, that's my job, right? Once they're in the store, then that's going to be my job to convert them. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, all they have to do is walk in and say, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, Bob sent me. Okay, great. So Bob just got some points. All right, so how can I help you? <laughs> you know, yeah, and uh, and go from there. Good job, Bob. So it needs to be, 
yeah, I think if it's if it's complicated and if there's restrictions and and whatnot, then it's it's kind of a turn off for people. So mm -hmm. keep it as simple and as as uh, um, so what I'm looking for attractive as possible, I guess. Yes, yes. So you mentioned uh, an email list. Do you actually collect email addresses, or do you just use like the social network stuff to contact your players? I'm starting to collect email addresses, and it's um, you know it's it's a bit more time consuming. I mean, part of the reality of running the store is that you know there's, there's uh, I consider myself a pretty creative person. Is that I have ten ideas a minute, you know, and mm -hmm. I can't implement them all. So obviously, an email list is is uh, is part of the plan. So I'm collecting them casually as I go, but I haven't really put that part of uh, of the plan into into place yet you know i'd like to have a blog and, and things like that but i want to make sure you know this there's so much out there so much information out there um i want to make sure that i'm providing some value into something like that mm -hmm. so you know i'm not convinced that i'm ready to start it quite yet you know i need to have more of a long-term plan as to okay well what would i talk about what would i you know how often would i be able to sit down and actually write for an hour you know that kind of thing so um so things get put into a priority list right and so an email list is obviously uh because it can be a, uh, an important tool but again if you're collecting emails and people are getting an email every three months or, or six months you know it's kind of counterproductive yeah the value um, so is really there yeah exactly right so i think uh facebook i mean i have people's emails and on occasion if i know exactly something that they mentioned they wanted you know, I mean, in the in the gaming industry, part of the opportunity I think that there is is that it, there's a lot of obviously collectible stuff that you can't just buy whenever. So <clears throat> when I know that a customer has a specific need that um, that uh, is maybe something that needs to be reprinted or whatnot, then I will out of the blue just email them and say, hey, by the way, this came in, you know, or this is available now, you know. So I'm I'm, I'm very proactive when it comes to that kind of stuff and. Uh, you know, um, customers appreciate it, right? It's not a, I want to sell you something is, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of giving you some value for, for coming to the store by, by, um, helping you remember that this is coming out and whatnot. So I'm careful with you doing that. So that it's not intruding on, on privacy or anything like that, but it's, uh, I actually encourage people to email me their, uh, especially, uh, their magic lists of what they want. Um, and the only requirement there is that they have to be willing to purchase the cards versus use credit or trade or whatnot because it's very time consuming for me. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, what that does is it basically puts me on a path where instead of trading for whatever random cards that I think might be sellable, right, which is still usually a pretty pretty good bet, right, if you're picking specific cards that you know people want that they will sell, but why not just pick specific cards that I know people want exactly those cards in exactly those quantities and i can just email them and they'll come in within a couple of days and buy them so um so i encourage people to send me emails that way and then so i use email more as a tool in in that sense you know and, uh, and i have people that email me constantly saying you know what i'm busy but this is my list let me know when it comes in and they love getting an email and just showing up okay how much are you great thanks again and i said yeah just send me an updated list whenever you're ready and and it works beautifully for everybody and again it's something that um as far as i know doesn't happen uh, in this industry too much and i think it's a shame because it's you know pretty easy sales <laughs> yeah it seems like a great opportunity right they're already telling you what they want just give it to they, them they are, yeah. just, here you go yep exactly and then you know what the same goes for and i'm switching topics slightly here but the same goes for special ordering um you know and i've had uh, customers come in and tell me that uh, they went to 
a different store and uh, they ask about special ordering something and they were told that, yeah, sorry, no, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. So first of all, sorry, we can do that. You know, shouldn't be an answer you get very often, <laughs> right? Even if the store can't do that, there should be a different way to maybe present it to the customer than just a dead end answer. Um, but also, you know, the way I see it is, okay, so what you're saying is that a store wasn't willing to just say, we'll take your money and we'll click a button and add a product to our next order. <laughs> and when I put it that way, they're like, yeah, that's kind of what they said. And I'm like, okay. Seems kind of dumb. To me, that's, to me, that's the easiest part of this business. I mean, literally, you give me your money ahead of time, which is a requirement because it's a special order, right? I don't want to just bring it in mm. and maybe you change your mind or maybe, you know, your car broke down and you can't afford it anymore. Whatever the reason might be, as valid as it might be, I might be stuck with a product that I might not otherwise sell. So I'll, t- I'll, I'll, um, I'll take in your money first, you know, I'll make sure that your information is correct on the computer. And then as soon as it's in, you come in, you pick it up. And all I had to do was click a button on my supplier's, uh, you know, website and add an item to it. Yeah, easiest thing in the world. Easy. It is, right? So, yeah, um, to, all those to me are little services that are just not a big part of the industry. And they, they um, they're invaluable. They're, they're the easiest part of it in a way, right? The customer is telling you what they want. They're willing to give you money. I think it's pretty basic business right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that kind of leads so, us into yeah. our next question, actually. It might, anyways. Okay. If you had to pick something, <laughs> something specific, what is it about Metal Galaxy that makes it successful? And it's okay if you say you. <laughs> well, actually, I wouldn't say me because uh, I'm not wired that way, but I think a lot of people would say me. And as a matter of fact, most people, it's actually quite funny and almost surreal for me, but we were talking about the name earlier mm-hmm. and how long it took me to come up with a name and same with trilogy and how much emphasis I put on the name of a store, because I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a big part of the the identity of it. But most people that are uh, say on their cell phones and they're talking to somebody and they go, Oh, oh I'm just at Pascal's right now. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because in some way I'm like, I took so much time to come up with a name, you yeah. know, but to them, just they're at my place. yeah, they're at my place. And, it, and it's, it's really cool in a way because it, they feel like they're really, you know, at home. Um, uh, so clearly some people feel like, you know, that's, that's what they identify with is, is me being there. But obviously I think what, what that represents to them is, uh, which is the answer to, to, to your question, uh, what that represents is a certain atmosphere and, um, a feeling that they're safe, not just, you know, physically safe, but just that they're, they're safe in an environment that nobody's going to, where nobody's going to. Um, you know, make fun of them, uh, you know, like in a bad way, in a negative way. Nobody's going to discriminate. Nobody's going to cheat. You know, that whatever actions are um, uh, done in that sense will be will have consequences. Right. And it's not like I'm, I'm a hard disciplinary guy by any means. But I think I've created an atmosphere where it's just, you know, um, sort of like the parenting thing where, where you know, some a lot of, a lot of good, good parents uh, you know, their kids are more afraid of them being disappointed in them than they are in them being uh, mad at them. You know what I mean? Mm, so stern, but caring. More that, exactly. Right. So it's more of that feeling of people not wanting to lose my trust or, 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 or have me disappointed in them. Like, I can't believe you did that kind of thing. Right. So they, they feel like they, they earn um, sort of uh, membership and not obviously not not the loyalty the kind of membership but they, they they earn sort of their their spot in this community and they don't want to lose it right they want to they want to they want to be a part of it so 
So the atmosphere is definitely a huge part of it, and you can't really create that from day one. As a matter of fact, the first year um, at Metal Galaxy, it took me it took me a while to understand what identity the store was going to take. It took a while for that to shape, but that's what I worked on specifically, right? I, there was a there was a uh, an intentional effort put in for the store to have an atmosphere that was casual without being without losing track of the fact that it is a business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want that to sort of be in the background, but you want the, the foreground to be, um, you know, a casual environment to play in. So I think that's about half half of it. Um, but then the other half is definitely the service, you know, that comes with it. So, um, you know, the, the sort of, um, <laughs> I compare it to, you know, maybe like a, um, a Middle Eastern market kind of a thing. And I know it's an image that nobody else can see because, you know, my, my background, my, my parents are from Algeria and, you know, and I, I live in the south of France. So maybe that's that's something that comes to mind for me, but a very direct customer approach. You know what I mean? It's not a corporate. It's not a formal approach. It's a very direct, very simple and very friendly um, uh, approach to customer service. You know, you're dealing directly with your customers you're making decisions right on the spot and people appreciate that. They feel like they're, you know, there's a, there's a, a um, a service that they they can't get anywhere else, you know, and it's actually quite interesting because that's the number one um, objection and complaint that I get about other stores, right? It's sort of like people go to a lot of stores for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I don't really like going there, but they had what I needed, <laughs> so, which is a shame, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so. It's a shame because, you know, if, if the store has what you needed, it's a shame that it couldn't complete that experience by having, you know, at, at the very least, you know, basic friendly service. Maybe nothing that you're writing home about, but something that at least you felt like you were, you know, handled properly. And it's actually, you know, people come in and, and I would I would say that, uh, you know, 75 percent of the objections I get about people not going to other stores anymore is, you know what? I went there and I was treated like I, you know, I was nothing. Yeah, unimportant. Not, not, yeah, unimportant. So, um, and again, that comes. I think that comes from my my um, my retail background before uh, before trilogy. You know, like uh, um, obviously there was no social media back then. Not that I want to <laughs> say you know um, thirty years ago or, or give you like a grandfather kind of a story. But mm-hmm. but the point is that you know there was no social media, so really a lot of the clienteling was done you know by having your your book and your client names and you know information on them and what they liked and everything else and then every once in a while give them a call and say hey you know bob it's it's me it's been six months you've been in the store just want to make sure you're, you're doing good and you know and um you know obviously in a, in a clothing kind of a thing there's not that same connection but with gaming it's pretty easy to sort of contact people and and um and, and they make them feel really like you're you're truly missing their presence right so there's a lot of that going on and people come in and they know that, as I said, I'm not going to bombard them with information about product or about sales, right? And my perspective has always been like, especially in this industry, what's my hurry? Why am I in a hurry to sell you anything? You're going to be here for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. So it's not like like a like a like a mall or something like that where where people are going to come in. They might go into 20 different stores today, and they're on a mission. In a gaming store, typically people are coming in and. More often than not, they're going to stay as long as they possibly can. If they have an hour, they're going to stay an hour. If they have six, they're going to stay six. <laughs> and and that's a good thing. So what that means is that really there's no hurry to show them or sell them or talk about product or, you know, anything business related, really, unless they initiate it, which is fine. Otherwise, you know what? You just have a chat. 
right? Mm-hmm. You're here, you're hanging out, like, let's, let's just talk. And then, then it's a matter of setting some, some boundaries as to, you know, how much talk is okay and everything else, but that's, that's a different story. But so I think the service and the atmosphere, which kind of go hand in hand would be the, the one thing that I, that I think is the, the biggest part of the, the business. And that's something you, you kind of have to create. You have to be patient with. Yeah, and I wish more stores would do that too. Yeah, personally, well, it's, it's important. <laughs> but uh, I kind of wish less stores would do it. And I'm just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> because then there's less competition. But I'm, I'm obviously joking. I think you know um, it's a shame that uh, that it's it's not being seen as kind of a must. It, it's uh, it's being lost in action, not just gaming. Right, a lot of industries are losing uh, this concept, and it, it's something that actually boggles my mind a little bit when I go into a mall uh, two weeks before Christmas. And every single store is on sale, like big sale, you know, like it's become, uh, um, unfortunately it has become, and it's dictated by, by the market and by the customers. I get that, but very few stores are willing to say, Hey, you know what? We don't have a sale going on, but this is what we can offer you. <laughs> and I know it's risky, but, um, you know, if all you're competing is on price, then, you know, someone is going to price themselves out of business faster than somebody else always. Right. Yeah, so that's what it's, happens. it's uh, yeah, yeah. And it's a shame. It's a and and, and it's bottom. something that happens. Exactly. And you know what? It does happen in gaming a lot. And it's been something that I noticed from, from day one that I find is a shame is that we're, we're all hobby specialty stores, which in theory are supposed to have, again, good service, a lot of information to pass to the customer, um, you know, uh, a lot of knowledge and a lot of, uh, you know, and of course, you know, tables and tournaments and, and that kind of uh, structure uh, around gaming. And I find it um, sad, actually, that, that so many stores are just choosing to gouge each other, you know, each other's prices in order to, to stay afloat, you know, or, or not stay afloat, but at least to compete. You know, and that's the only way they found that it can compete, you know, and I've, I've always explained to customers, which I think is actually another part of the, the service that's important is to actually educate customers as to how the decisions affect, you know, the industry that they love. Mm-hmm. So if you're buying every single thing that you own uh, online, that is totally your choice. And I understand that, you know, you can find amazing deals online. That's great. Um, but eventually you'll be playing in your kitchen table <laughs> because if what you're doing is not promoting and not supporting the stores that actually are running tournaments, organizing events, paying judges and all of that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to paint a doom and gloom, but I just wanted to understand the consequence of their decisions, right? That basically you are basically dictating where this industry is going. And, um, you know, and a lot of customers get that and they, they want to pay a little bit more at a brick and mortar store and, um, and support that store and make sure that store is actually there for them. Yeah. Without the local game stores, there is no magic community. There is nowhere to play. There's, like the whole system kind of just falls apart. Like if it was just online sales, there would be no game. No one would there'd be right. nowhere to play, right? So the whole yeah, exactly. the whole magic economy just gone. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also one of the things that uh, you mentioned before was that sometimes players are spending like an insane amount of hours sitting in your store, just spending time there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that's pretty common. And I think what we were talking about before about how stores or certain store owners don't uh, necessarily give the customers the the service that they really deserve. And the way that I kind of thought of it was that the players are spending their most valuable resource at your business, which is their time. It may not be their money Mm -hmm. necessarily, but like they're giving you the thing that they can never get back. And most stores just kind of 
brush that off as irrelevant. Like that's that's a pretty big commitment. And then it should really be valued in that way that they're spending time with you. You should appreciate that and give it back to them in the sense of making their experience worthwhile and valuable. Well, that's right. And not, not just from uh, from a direct correlation between their experience and how much fun they had, but also, you know, uh, and I think a lot of a lot of retailers in general, but specifically in gaming, uh, think very much short term. And, um, you know, a customer that has a good experience who, who basically is in between paychecks, you know, and I actually remind customers of that all the time. It's almost like sometimes I'm the customer and they're the store owner because I'm actually telling them what they should be telling me. <laughs> but I tell them. Uh, they're like, oh, you know, I haven't come to play in the last couple of months because, you know, I lost my job. And I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Seriously, bring a deck, bring a toonie <laughs> and play or bring a deck and just hang out and play. I have no expectations of you buying anything, especially when, when you're in the, that kind of a situation. Just come and hang. You, you know, you need to relax. You need to kind of unwind a little bit. And I get that. And I want to make sure they understand that. You know what? I'm not going to be mad at you because you came in and you just hung out. Right. Obviously, if there's a tournament going on and you're taking table space and I need that table. I have to kind of, you know, say something, but it, that rarely happens. Mm-hmm. So it's important to remind them uh, of that because, you know what, that customer, when he gets his job back, when he gets his first paycheck and he has disposable income again, the first place he's going to come is you. And it's going to be a great surprise, which has happened so many times for me. I've had customers who have memberships. Uh, they've had them for months and I look at their memberships when they come in and they have 12 points on them. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, well, that's not really, you know, <laughs> the sort of volume that I would have expected, but um, that's what they have. And out of the blue, they come in and they have $200 in their hand and they go, I'll buy this, 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 this. I'm like, Oh, okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so birthday money. And they go, yeah, I got some birthday money and I've been saving up and here you are. So basically what I've done is for a couple of months, you know, I simply was welcoming to them and the first place they came to spend the first extra money they had was my store. So I think a lot of stores don't have that, that long-term vision of, of, you know, this was not a sale today or, or whatnot, but it will be a sale in a month or two months. They, they, they're missing out, you know? And like you said, the sitting at your store and hanging out is a big part of it. And if they leave and they have fun, they're going to come back and you just, you can't control everything, but you hope they're going to come back when they have money and that they're willing to spend it at your store. Yeah. So it, it's an important part of it too. You can't, and it goes back to that whole thing about being patient when people walk into the store, like what's my hurry? I mean, people are, gaming is also such a unique industry in that people can't wait to spend that money on gaming, right? So if they're not walking into the store, literally extending their wallet and saying, this is what I want, that's fine. That's no problem. <laughs> you know, that means something is slowing them down from from buying whatever it is they're buying. You know, they're already in your store, you know, uh, now just figure out what it is. And it could be talking to them. It could be through, um, you know, just chit-chatting. And like I said, they could share that, you know what? Yeah, I just lost my job. That sucks and blah, blah. Well, I don't think I can follow that comment by saying, you know, but a new box of magic is out. <laughs> That's not very yeah. uh, sensitive of me. So, you know, there's no point forcing anything. It's, it's all about being patient and about being uh, understanding and compassionate that people have lives and that they want to spend that that time in your store, whether they have money to spend or not. And the more understanding they get from the store owner, the more uh, likely they are to come back. You know, uh, so so it's it's a it's a state of mind that I think is important to have. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, the ideal customer is the one that comes in, spends you know a few hundred dollars in five minutes and leaves, <laughs> but those don't exist. <laughs> 
you know, uh, they're very rare. So the reality is that um, you, you need to work um, on getting sales sometimes and need to be patient and just build um, for, for whenever the, that sale is going to come. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a store owner, I'm sure you've probably had this conversation a couple of times, but frequently people come in and say, wow, this is a great store. I would really like to do something like this myself at some point. Mm-hmm. What do you tell them when somebody expresses an interest in owning a game store? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I think the number one advice, I, number one thing I tell them is simply to understand how much work there is, you know, um, and, and especially the people that come in and share that with me. Usually I've been in a store a few times and the ongoing joke at, at, uh, at the store or the ongoing comment anyways is uh, I'm always sorting cards. Anytime that I'm that a store is slow, I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm working on something else, right? Which is a misconception because people will come in and it's like oh nobody's here or you know if it's like a Tuesday morning and you know and the store is, is is pretty mellow and somebody will come in and say, oh nobody's here and they feel like they can just chat for two hours, which you know <laughs> they can but you know I have work to do mm-hmm. so um, so the number one thing I remind them of is that there's a lot of work to be done um, and that. Um, they, you know, basically there's two levels, right? There's people that just simply wish they would have a gaming store and they haven't thought past that. And so I remind them that, you know what, it is very hard work. It's a very fun industry to be in, but it's very hard work like any business. I mean, having your own business is not working less, it's working more, right? Um, and the second part is that if they're actually serious about it and they want to actually discuss things or meet with me or whatever, which has happened as well, um, then I just say, you know what? I would love to do that and sit down and have coffee with you. But I think the first thing you should do is write a very precise business plan. And I think it's good advice, first of all. But I think what it does is that it sort of uh, provides them with an opportunity to actually understand what they're getting themselves into <laughs> in more detail and to actually think things through um, and, and understand how much is involved in actually running a business properly. Right. Versus mm-hmm. just saying, I want a gaming store. I have 3000 cards at home. Let's do this thing. I'll buy a showcase, a, a register and let's open up. Right. Um, and you know what? In reality, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> if that's what you want to do, uh, then why not? Who am I to say don't do it or or why not? Right. But I think I think it might be a bumpy ride skills. if you do it that way. Pardon me? So it might be a very bumpy ride if you do it that way. It might. But you know what? Um who am I to say, don't go on a bumpy ride? Maybe that's what you need. Maybe that's what you want to experience. You know, maybe you want to say, um, I had a store for a few months. I, I, I'm nobody, nobody to judge who is capable or not capable of having a store. Um, but I think there are some prerequisites that are important that are valuable to have if you're opening a store. Obviously, some skills, some selling skills, uh, wanting to constantly have contact with people, right? If you've been an accountant for your whole entire life and stuck in a cubicle, and now you want to go in and have a very social um, type of business, think about it. Is this what you really want, right? Are you going mm-hmm. to be actually patient enough and willing to talk to people every day, the entire day? Uh, are you, uh, are you uh, do you know, I mean, you know, product knowledge and everything else that can be acquired, I suppose, right? I mean, like any other business. But that's really not 
um, what's going to make you successful, right? You can know everything about games, but do you, do you understand the clients? Do you have a plan for marketing? Do you have uh, uh, an idea of how you're going to organize your store? Do you know um, what sort of table space you're going to set up? Are you going to have food? Are you going to have, there's a lot of questions you need to ask yourself. And most of those questions come with a price tag, <laughs> you know, as an answer, yeah. because every single one of them requires some kind of an investment of time or money. So, um, I just, you know, uh, I said there's two steps for me. If they're if they're just daydreaming, you know, I just remind them that it's it's a really fun business and um, it's uh, hard, very hard work, like any any business. And if they're more serious and they sort of want to be, they want to act on it, then I just ask them to write a business plan. And you know what tends to happen a lot, um, and I'm not trying to 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 get people to to give up on the idea, but what tends to happen a lot is that people don't write business plans or don't follow up on it, which tells me simply that they were just not ready to do it. You know, they wanted it, but they weren't sure how to get there or, um, you know, they weren't prepared to actually go through the steps. And for me, even opening my first store, um, in my mind, you know, like everything I needed to know was right in my, in my, in my head. So why do I need a business plan? But as it turns out, I had to write one, um, you know, to try and apply for loans and so forth. And it was a very valuable thing to do. So even though I didn't believe I, did, I needed one because I had all the information that I that I needed to have, it's a very important thing to do um, uh, to actually understand what your business is going to be about and and uh, how you're going to to set it up. So um, yeah, so that's what I tell them. Okay. So <laughs> even if it's not process. any use, even if you don't have using it to apply for a loan, it's still a good exercise. It's worthwhile to know what you're getting into. It is. It is. You know what? It could be. I mean. The reality is that uh, some people are patient enough to say, you know what, I want, I want to open a gaming store and I'm giving myself three years or five years to get there. I'm going to save money. I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, and uh, I'm going to maybe go to back to school, get a marketing degree, whatever whatever it is that they feel is important to do before they, they get to that step. So writing a business plan today is not a bad thing to do because then if you're going to – if your plan is to open one in three years or five years or two years, whatever it might be, then why not have a business plan and then keep on updating it and reading it and, and refreshing um, refreshing it so that you actually um, <clears throat> you, you you tweak it right. You, you basically um, make it better and better so that your store is actually um, functional when it, when it when it opens up. So it's a good idea no matter what. And and again, it will let you know whether this is something you want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people's images of a, image of a gaming store is I'm going to play games all day, collect some money. And, uh, you know, that's it. Yeah. Nope. Which I think <laughs> not quite it. You know, like I sit down, um, part of the reason why I actually play games at the store, actually, I shouldn't say part. I suppose a small part of it is, is just wanting to relax. But really, playing games for me while I'm running the store is not very relaxing <laughs> because I'm going back and forth nonstop, you know, answering the phone or, or helping customers. So it's not a very relaxing. Like I said, just sit down and forget about the world. Um, but the main reason I do it is actually because I feel that it's actually important to build a community, right? To actually, um, to, to show people, uh, so to go back to magic for a second, part of what I do, I think quite well when it comes to magic is build casual budget type decks that are efficient, fun to play, fun to play against some sort of, you know, in a way demonstrating or, or, you know, Walking the walk, you could say, you know, after I've told customers, like, you know what, you can have fun playing this game and not spending a fortune. You don't have to spend a fortune, you know, to play this game, right? Because a lot of people have that fear that, you know, well, I want to get into magic, but, you know, 
I just, I'm just afraid I'm going to go into it too much. And I'm like, you know what? You can spend like 30 bucks, get a deck, play that deck for a while and enjoy it. So the sitting down and playing games to me is, is really a way to demonstrate that that can be done. And also, of course, it's a chance to actually socialize more, more um, directly with customers and give them a chance to kick my butt, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, <laughs> I think it's important and it just adds to the atmosphere and, and it's sort of that element of, you know, um, s- small Italian restaurant and kind of sitting down with customers for, one, for a minute and just hanging with them. Right? So, so it's important from that standpoint, but playing games, uh, you know, instead of running the business, not a good, not a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Build your community, be part of your community, but don't, yeah, uh, don't sacrifice your business to do it. Exactly. Yep. All right. So we're going to go into a hypothetical situation here that you've kind of already been through. But if you had to start over again, Mm -hmm. would you do anything differently? Um, Well, so I I guess the question would have to be would have to be posed as if you had to start over again with without any kind of resource limitations, you know, because that's a big part of, um, you know, like I've, I've had a vision and, uh, of, of what I would like, uh, my store or stores to look like for, for many years now. And really the vision has never come to reality because of, you know, uh, financial constraints. Um, uh, so I, I think there's an opportunity out there to create something really, really special in this industry. And, um, so I would do things do things differently, but it would obviously depend on what sort of resources I have. I think for the most part, you know what, the essence of the business is exactly what I envision. Um, and everything that's missing from the business, I think, is, is just is just more of a material uh, slash financial limitation. So pardon me. So yeah, that's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully it's a matter of time. And I think, um, the essence of the business is there. Like I, I would not, uh, so in a hypothetical scenario, I would not want to create a completely different business that is not social, that is not as friendly or, or that it has not as, as good an atmosphere as my business does and sa- sacrifice that for the sake of making more money. I would not actually want to do that because, um, and I know it's a cliche, but like doing what I enjoy is a huge part of why I want to do this business. And it's not even the gaming aspect. Obviously the gaming aspects makes it so that this business is all about fun and people's, you know, um, spare time and, and their, their, um, leisure time. So that's obviously more enjoyable, but really the, um, the essence of the business I think is there, you know, it's, it's, um, so I wouldn't really change that. Uh, the, the rest of it, as I said, those would be ideas that, uh, I just need to incorporate over time, you know, um, and I don't, to, to a certain extent, I don't know, you know, it's sort of like saying, you know, if you won the lottery, right. I mean, you think you would be mm-hmm. as happy as, as, as you envision it. And maybe if you won the lottery, you'd be depressed because you have everything you need. <laughs> I, I have no idea. You know, I, I, I would like to do the research, let's put it that way, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, but with a gaming store, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe part of the enjoyment is that quest for, you know, the perfect store and that, that motivation to continuously improve, you know, so within reason, I mean, there's a few things I would like to do differently, but as I said, they're, they're really material things. I think, I think the store fills a need for both for me as a, as a businessman and for the community that is important. And, um, you know, my fiance does something as well that is, that is, that, that basically 
obviously wants to earn a paycheck or she wants to earn a paycheck, but where she helps people in their lives. And, and we both feel that that's important, you know, like I'm not, by, by no way am I, by no means am I, a, you know, psychologist or anything like that. But in a lot of ways, uh, definitely at my old store, I was definitely, you know, sort of a father figure, friend, you know, Therapist. buddy kind of a, kind of a, kind of an, kind of an image. Uh, and, um, you know, that's, that's priceless to me, you know? Um, so, um, there's not too much I would change, you know, uh, again, other than just, just to repeat it one more time, but just ju- other than the financial and, um, and material things that I, that I envision that for the sake of this interview, I'm not going to share because, you know, I don't want to jinx them, but they will still happen in the future. I'm hoping, but, uh, you know, some ideas that are basically in my business plan that it will hopefully be implemented eventually. You know, I think there's still a lot of room to, to, to change this industry and make it even better than, than, than it is right now. I like it. Okay. Um, without going too deep, like you said, what is in mm. store for Metal Galaxy in the near future? What's coming up? Well, you know, with um, unfortunately in life, you you develop some fears, you know, and 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 baggage and things that sort of block your 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 vision a little bit, right? You tend to 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 work based on fear more than anything else. And part of what just so happens developed for me with with my first store was that um, as I expanded the store, literally as I expanded the store, the recession hit, uh, which ended up actually not affecting the business, uh, which was was a great plus for I think how the business how strong the business was or is, um, and also my personal life kind of took a, a tumble. So obviously the natural progression would be to think of an expansion slash you know growth uh physical growth for the business and and i think the business is getting to that point where it's eventually going to be necessary (laughs) but i want to be much more cautious i guess than i was even the first time around because i want to make sure that it's the right time and then there's a there's a there's a valid reason for growing the business um so you know um as far as little marketing tweaks you know, and things like that. I'm I'm always trying to incorporate new ideas, and I think that's another thing that I love about having my own business is just to be able to say, to wake up one morning and go, you know what, I should do this, and do a bit of reading, do a bit of research, and say, yep, I'm doing this. And then, you know, five minutes later, it's on Facebook saying, by the way, we're doing this. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so that's 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 a great way of uh, um, implementing ideas without having to check in with anybody. And and uh, you know, when they work, that's great. When they don't work, you know what, that's fine. We'll try something else. Um, so that's that kind of feeds me for now is just knowing that I can incorporate this still so much growth within the location and the space and the the environment that I've created. Um, but I think naturally, right? It's it's uh, it's I want the business to grow uh, a, a bit more to 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 expand to have um, to tap into different um, areas such as uh, you know I think that the board game community can use more. Um, um, more cater being catered to, you know, and um, and so those are things that I'm working on, um, but but I'm trying to be patient with with each of them. So um, so so I guess you know what, just doing more of the same, but in a different way. So tapping into again other uh, what I feel are other niches in the market that haven't been really that kind of have been ignored in a way, right? I think um, again part of owning a gaming a gaming uh, business. And part of the mistake that people make is, as we said before, is right, is is sort of opening up 
feeling like, okay, I've got my magic stuff. I'm DCI sanction. I'm a DCI sanction store or DCI register store. And, uh, let's just open my doors, put stuff on the shelf and, you know, I should be good to go. And, and I think they, they people need to think outside the box a little bit more. You know, I think that's, um, that's a good way to, there's a lot out there <laughs> to to be tapped into when it comes to this industry. Um, you know, when you see stores, uh, games like Settlers of Catan and, uh, you know, that used to be sort of niche Euro games that were sold in hobby shops now being sold at chapters and those kind of stores, it's obvious that the industry is, is going through a bit of a change, you know, a good change. But, but you know, there's going to be different demographics and different people out there that uh, are going to be introduced to this game and eventually are, are going to want to find a place to play and so forth. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, so I think diversity yeah, it's, can't it's, uh, Pardon me? So diversity is always a good idea, generally. It, it can be, right? But it needs to be smart diversity and, mm-hmm. and it needs to be at the right time. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's uh, um, it's a little bit under under wraps right now. <laughs> Not because uh, I don't want to share, but because, you know, it's it's kind of uh, uh, an idea that, that, sh- that is ever-changing and that's, um, you know, that it's going to develop over time. But um, I think the store just is naturally progressing into finding its 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 space in the in the industry. Sounds good. Well, I'm excited to hear what happens <laughs> when you do finally unveil these <laughs> okay, uh, master well, plans you have. You won't be the first to know, but you'll be on the on that, that you know first people to know list. Fantastic. And I, I'll be watching your Facebook page because I did like it already. Okay, thank you. So when you when you when you do announce, I'll be there. Great. All right. So uh, we're we're coming to the end of the interview at this point. Uh, where can listeners find you online and in real life if they want to come visit? So online, um, so we have a website uh, which is metal-galaxy.com. Uh, obviously the Facebook page is quite active and, uh, and something I didn't touch on by the way. So obviously we have a Facebook page, we have a Twitter page and what I've tried to do with that, by the way, is, um, which, which I think is an important, uh, distinction is that I've tried to have it so that each online presence has a different purpose, you know, because there's enough information out there. There's tons of information out there about gaming, about everything else that you, you really want to know about. And so what I've tried to do is sort of give the online perspective on the store, um, but in different uh, different aspects of it. So the, the, the website is more of a static, um, you know, this is who we are, this is when we're open, this is what we do, this is what's unique about the store, you know. So if you've never heard about the store, you can go online and get a good visual of what, what the store can be. And literally, you can literally get a visual because we have a 360 um, a demo on there where you can actually go inside the store. Um, on Facebook, it's more of a everyday update kind of what's happening in, in the store specifically, what kind of tournaments, what kind of specials, um, anything that's relevant about the store itself. And then Twitter is more of a, this is what I think is relevant and important about the industry that I, you know, I would like to share with my customers based on what I find interesting and what I think they would find interesting. So, you know, maybe my customers are not as interested in finding out um, what new miniature is out for um, Warhammer because I don't have, I don't carry Warhammer, so I'm going to focus more on, you know, um, information about maybe some some cool decks that are out there or things that are online somewhere that I've kind of sourced out for them and I feed my customers with. 
So that those are the three main sources of information online for Matter Galaxy. And what about in real life? Where can, can you find, find me? My, where can you find me? Physically. Physically. Um, <laughs> I just store a lot. <laughs> you know? Um, so... Are, are you saying my address? Yeah. Yeah, if somebody was in uh, Calgary, or Calgary, how would they find you? Where would they... Where would they go to come visit your store? Right. <laughs> believe it or not, that was the trickiest question you asked today. Can you believe that? <laughs> so, so the store is in the southwest, uh, between uh, it's a, it's in a Haysboro area. Uh, it's between Heritage and Southland, um, and it's uh, the actual address is two hundred Haddon Road, Southwest, uh, and it's a little strip mall, uh, and you can find us right there. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story and your ideas and your perspectives and your passions. I really enjoyed this conversation. Great. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. And uh, thanks thanks for, for, for doing this and uh, good luck with, with everything. Yeah, you too. We will okay. talk to you soon. You bet. All right. Have a good Take day. Care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Do you want to run better Magic events with higher turnouts and players battling one another to stay on top of the standings week after week? Well, now you can. MTGLeaderboards.com is a system for creating and managing everything you need to run killer Magic tournaments. Create seasons, track player performance, and get your players pumped to play in your store every day of the week. Check out MTGLeaderboards.com, sign up today, and you'll get the early adopter special rate. Supercharge your Magic events with MTGLeaderboards.com. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Pascal. If you're looking for more info about game store entrepreneurship in the Magic community, check out ManiverseSaga.com. This is home of the Maniverse podcast, and this is where we talk about tips and tactics you can use to grow your local community and your business. From there, you can find out more about Maniverse.com, and you can sign up to get early access as a beta tester. We're currently looking for game store owners and Magic players to help work out the kinks and give us some honest feedback. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Maniverse podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Sharing this episode is also a great way to help the show. Every reviewer will get a shout-out on an upcoming episode. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>